0: podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is made by the spin-off, with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. The internet turned publishing and advertising for media upside down, and continues to shake it around. When you look about, there are quite a few news sites that should convey trust but the kind of ads they sometimes have to resort to to pay the bills can be depressing. Links at the end of stories that masquerade as articles from good media, but say things like, you won't believe what these child stars look like now, or four surefire ways to cure cancer with Bitcoin. But surely having more trusted ads helps titles retain more trust from their readers, and adds to the value for everyone. That's part of the idea behind Scroll Media. A network of trusted publishers and ads, increasing returns for publishers and helping their sites feel more premium. It's the latest venture from an online ad industry innovator. Founder Jane Ormsby built an earlier online advertising inventory network into an Australasian market leader and successful exit to a billionaire all before her mid-thirties. Jane then used her online publishing expertise to work with APN, now NZME, as it tackled digital, leading the paywall at the listener, and launching Byte, which you've probably cooked a dish from. In 2018, Jane went back into digital innovation, creating Scroll Media, and to talk the journey, tips for selling business, and where her company and advertising is headed. Jane Ornsby joins us now. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, kia ora, Simon. It's great to be here. Hey, how, yeah, first up, um, what got you
0: into the publishing and online ad space?
1: Well, wow. yeah, it's quite a long story, really. I, I, was, I actually grew up um, on a farm in, in, a, in Hawke's Bay, a place called Partoka, and so I spent my childhood riding horses and chasing sheep and cows around. So I don't think I would have ever imagined I'd be running a digital advertising company then. Um, but, yeah, I basically had very supportive parents who were quite down to earth and um, very practical, and I went off to Otago University, and I knew I wanted to do marketing, because I loved marketing, and um, but I didn't, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I had a lot of fun at Otago. Probably didn't work that hard, but... um it was a good time and um and I kind of um so I did my marketing degree and then I worked in sales and then I headed off to London um after traveling for about six months and it was quite funny I just randomly answered this ad in the paper for um an interactive tv company called NTL Interactive which is this really amazing company based in Covent Garden and that was in 2000 I and mean, all my all my friends were kind of doing granny bashing and nanny jobs and I kind of had this cool job and um because my my grandfather had patriality so I, ha- I had the Irish patriotity visa, so that was always quite lucky um, and then from there I learned about interactive TV and then learnt uh, and then I went off to the sister's uh, publishing um, um a real media which was um a, a digital ad network and I, I was there for about three years and I learned all about digital advertising and um marketing and it was fabulous I was ended ended up being the um the top salesperson in my last year, and um, we represented uh, Hello Magazine and Delia Online and the Times. So it was it was a really fun um, and, and interesting job, and I got to work with some really amazing people. And Real Media was later acquired by WPP. Um, anyway, so after yeah, so so that was that was kind of the start. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that, that got me into it. Yeah, and and what
0: brought you back to NZ, and then what was your um, or, or to Australasia, really. And then what What was the insight that led you to start something in the space here?
1: Yeah, well, it was, it was kind of time to come home. I'd been in the UK for five years. And um, I had a look at the New Zealand landscape and just saw that there was a bit of a gap in the market. So I, I went back to my boss and said, could you... Um, could I, could I, could you pay me to set up a little office down in down in New Zealand? And and he asked his um, head office up in Singapore, uh, sorry, in, in, in New York. And they said, oh, New Zealand. Oh, no, that's not really a big market for us. No, no. And so my boss said, well, look, why don't you just do it and um, you've got my blessing? And so he took me out for lunch and... um he said, "Go for it, you know. If you're crazy enough to do this, then you know, good on you." <laughs> and um, so down I went back home, and just I just actually just set it up with my laptop and my and my flat and point Chev with and um, just sort of started really. I just went from there, and I was lucky because I um, I went off to Sydney um, for a little holiday, and just uh, it ended up I knew quite a few of the. Um, people that worked in the media agencies for my time in London so I just um, kind of knew a few people in the industry and where I went and um, yeah I went to see Sam Morgan at Trade Me and asked him if we could sell his ads and and then kind of it kind of just grew from there and then we ended up we ended up working with um, Big Brother Australia which is one of the first big big brothers and um, yeah so that that business was called Response Directive so that was um, yeah that was a lot of fun.
0: And that business response directive, so you saw that gap in the market for something that was living in a kind of online first way in in media buying or or what was the, yeah, what was the kind of thing that was uh, the gap in the market?
1: Well, I think it was just grouping a whole lot of different publishers together to form an ad network and running campaigns across, you know, 30 or so different sites. So, and it was it was just the way we could deliver campaigns to a range of um, audiences. And, I mean, that was back when there was, you know, before Facebook. So, Mark... D- d- Digital marketing was really, you know, in its early stages then. But I suppose it was um, helping advertisers reach these audiences online, which is, um, that's the the basis of it, really. But, you know, back then the technology was pretty basic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and before the ability just to easily jump on, you know, Facebook ads or something, I imagine it was like an enormous growth area as well.
1: Yeah, I could see the future. I could see that it was growing fast. It was pretty small then, but I just knew it was going to grow and today it's Digital advertising is now the fifth, about over fifty percent of digital ad spend. Like in New Zealand, it's a a billion dollar industry, and in Australia, it's a nine billion dollar industry. So, yeah, I backed the right horse. <laughs> yeah, what was it
0: like setting up the company? I mean, going and knocking on the doors of, you know, Trade Me, which became the biggest site <laughs> in New Zealand, and you know, a few other um, of these big kind of online publishers to to represent them. Um, yeah, like you, you and your laptop versus. The Big media agencies
1: yeah, I don't know, I was just young and silly, and I just did it really. i just didn't I didn't overthink it, and um, yeah, I just think you've just you know got to take that leap of faith and just pick up the phone, ring people and just you know say hi don't I, can I come and see you about, about this idea I've got, and people are usually quite open and it's yeah it was, it's it's quite a buzz when you know you do get um, wins like that, so yeah, it doesn't always work out, but it's good when it does. Tell me about
0: the kind of life cycle of the company. Is it grew pretty quickly and then you had people interested in buying from pretty early on and, and had a, a, a nice exit out of there. Was it always the plan to build something and sell it or no. what kind of happened there?
1: Oh, it, was, it just grew. It, it, it did better than I thought it would. I was I was very lucky. I just, um, I'd be, I went for about three years and we actually made the big decision to move to Australia too because um, it was really growing over there more than New Zealand. That was actually quite a tough decision but um, it was the right decision because I was, we're three years in Australia and that's where we yeah we had a bit of interest from a few companies that wanted to buy us because we were growing so fast we had a good team of had a great team of people working with me and um in Australia and in New Zealand and um yeah so I was like oh my goodness here's should I sell and so I talked to my accountant in Sydney and he said look you should probably talk to these guys um they're a, and you know, advisors, and you should probably talk to them. So I met a man called David Hall, who ran Hall Capital, and he was a um, he ran a business that helps businesses sell. Basically, he knew all about mergers and acquisitions, and I, you know, I was quite young. I didn't know a lot about. The mergers and acquisition space. So I was really thankful that I used Hawk Capital. Um, So they basically got me in front of a lot more companies that I would have um, got in front of. We sat down and presented to Fairfax and and News Limited. And then in the end, it was a company that I hadn't even heard of that um, we actually um, actually acquired us because, and they um, kind of came up with the the cash offer, which was more attractive than the shares offer that the other um, companies had offered, which was the right thing because it was um, just before the GFC. So, <laughs> yeah, it did t- t- took the right offer, really. So I was quite lucky in that they were a business who had formerly been involved in printing and newspapers and they wanted to get into digital, so they acquired a response directive and, yeah, that went well and... Um, yeah, so uh, definitely if anyone is thinking of selling, I would recommend using a um, – a, a, like outsourcing it to a broker because they can sort of present you in a more formal way and they did like an information memorandum and they helped structure the deal. So you had – they just sort of protect you from, you know, your earn out and they just sort of explain the process. And, yeah, there's a lot – like when you do your due diligence, there's a lot you've got to go through and I think it's good to have someone to help you with that, Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I imagine if you, you know, are in a growth business and going well, and you get offers, it must be really kind of like, oh wow, this is awesome! Someone wants to buy us. But you know, do you achieve a much better price, or do you get a much better process, or, or, or better um, uh, deal for you, really, um, by going through a third party?
1: Yeah, well, I I definitely did. Like, I wouldn't have got the. The price I got if I hadn't have. But um, it's not for, you know, it's probably not always for everyone. I think if you've got experience in that space, then you could probably do it yourself. But for the time it would take you to, um, you know, deal with all the, um, you know, you've got to have information memorandums and you've got to have all your you know, all your legal documents done, like you need, I think, yeah, I think it's good to have a helping hand with, with the experts, yeah. But you've still got to present your business and you've still got to do the due diligence and it still comes down to you at the end of the day, but it's just nice to have people who kind of, um, are, you know, are sort of doing the pre-work for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then with the earnouts, so you've got to stay and kind of bed the yes. business into the new business and, and keep it going. But, wow, that must have been, Really cool to be kind of mid thirties and have had this really great exit, and then um, be part of a you, you know an, another big successful kind of media company and the like. Um, yeah, what what was that journey like for you?
1: Yeah, it was good. It was it was exciting, but it was also. Um it was kind of weird going from being a little company to merging into a bigger one so we had to, you know, a lot changed Um, so it it was definitely the the right decision but um, yeah, it does, you do have to, like you you suddenly become, you've got to report to a boss and a a board and and so it does, um, uh, you know, you have to kind of make sure you're a bit more streamlined and more structured um, than we were so, uh, but no, it was good, it was a good learning curve really, yeah, it was a good experience, I'm glad I did it, yeah. And
0: then, after that process, back to New Zealand and to APN, now NZME, as they kind of went through a big, you know, like every media company in the world had, <laughs> like, what do we do with this whole digital thing?
1: Yeah absolutely that was um, I worked with a great team of people at APN and um, which is now NZME and um, you know that whole industry has just gone through such big changes so we looked at putting a paywall on the listener and went through that process so I was in the magazine side of um, I was on the digital team but I was looking after the mags and working out what we can do with all that content Um, and so we we produced this website called Food Hub which took all the women's weekly uh, recipes and all the recipes they had on file for 50 years and um, it's now called Bite. Um, so I really got to understand publishers and I really got to thinking that you know journalists need to be paid more to make this amazing content and that is done through advertising. So I knew that I wanted to help sort of make sure that you know, you could get really good content and to do that, you need commercial partners. So that was a part of the business that really interested me and still does.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and you know, along that thread, you know, into um, what what eventually led you to beginning scroll media. Yeah, like as that was happening, you, you know, you would have had a, a front seat working in uh, traditional media companies and seeing their profitability and their kind of mm. monopoly on things like classifieds and um, you, you know being a, a conduit from advertisers to an audience just be eaten away uh, mm. by by the online advertising of the Google's and your Facebooks and the like. Um, yeah, what 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 was kind of what was in the conditions that led you to think um, you know it was time to launch Scroll Media, which was going back into that online ad inventory
1: yeah well, I could see that online advertising was still growing, and I could see that publishers like independent publishers were quite challenged by the fact that they could only really resort to Google Adsense to make money unless they had a you know a savvy commercial team. a lot of independent um publishers just don't have the resources or the um, expertise to. Um, commercialise their content. So I knew that I could add value. And um, Scroll was set up with, we've we've built, so Scroll Media, we've built a programmatic um, platform, which basically um, helps publishers commercialise all the inventory programmatically. So we um, partner...
0: Sorry, what does programmatically mean?
1: Programmatically, it basically just means automated. So it's an automated... Um process of ads getting filtered through um, to target the right audiences and you can overlay different audience targeting so it's the advertisers love programmatic because they can reach audiences um, based on certain data sets and um, so it means that it's extremely efficient to um to you know reach reach your audiences than it used to be used to be a lot of signing and fax faxing um, paperwork in the old days but now it's all done or a lot of it is done pro- like programmatically so we've built like the technology that we can just plug into the publishers um, back end and then the developers set it all up and we work with them to get um, it all set up in their back end and then it basically it's once it's set up it just r- runs so we deliver like rich media formats video um, display advertising. Um, and a bit of native, which is like content. And then um, we also, so that's like a, a nice, once it's set up, sort of hands off, <laughs> um, low touch. And so that's that's a big part of our business, and that involves um, some very smart people. Um, and then, but we've also seen there's also a lot of, Um, opportunity to really integrate brands into um, publishers' sites. So we work with publishers that are, you know, to your point before, that are very trusted. So healthline.com is the biggest... um, health and nutrition website in the world. It's got, like in New Zealand, it's got 1.4 million users are tapping into Healthline content. So you might have, if you've ever Googled a symptom or a a, a question about your health and wellbeing and nutrition, then you've probably ended up on Healthline because it usually ranks pretty high. Um, So to align with that content that's so trusted for a brand, it's really effective. So we kind of build content hubs and and do... um, Sponsorships that can help sort of um, position a brand to be aligned with that with that um, content, which um, for the user, um, generally they quite like you know it's, there's a lot of research to say that users quite like seeing content that is um, relevant to what, what what they're reading so, so they, don't, they don't mind seeing ads if they're relevant to the content they're looking at and they're more receptive to them so so it's a good user experience as well as helping the publishers make money so they can keep making great content which makes the whole ecosystem go around. Kia ora, Duncan Grieve here, managing editor and host of another spin-off podcast you should subscribe to if you haven't already. It's called The Fold and it's about one of my all-time favorite topics, one I've been reporting on and obsessing over for some years now, the chaotic but incredibly exciting and fun New Zealand media industry and scene. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and join me for in-depth analysis and interviews with some of the most influential and interesting players in New Zealand's media.
0: of idea so you're on Healthline, and then you see an ad for i don't know a pharmacy chain or tend the new kind of you know doctor service or something and because it is um it makes sense to be around it people are more receptive to it and like it more and yeah i guess the opposite of that is something that we all feel very strongly when you're on a site um Maybe a really trusted site, and then you see some terrible ad that looks so scammy, and is kind of like you know, um, you know, selling you funeral insurance or something, and you're like, "Leave me alone! I'm 39." You know? <laughs> That's right, yeah. And like um, when it doesn't feel like it matches up to you, that you then um, you, you then kind of re- resent it. And I always wonder why these new sites choose to populate uh, their, um, their their inventory with things that don't add to their brand value?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's just because they probably don't know um, how to – well, that's where we can help them, really, is, is, is we can help them um, work with us because we can you know, deliver them ads which are more appropriate and sort of user-friendly and more trusted and less um, gimmicky. So, yeah, and there's lots of different formats that we can run as well that um, – they aren't obtrusive, like they aren't annoying. So they really um, just feel like an extension to the site, really, rather than blocking them. Like people often say to me at dinner parties, "Oh, are you the pop-up girl?" I like the pop-up <laughs> banner, and I'm like, "No, we don't do pop-ups. ups we do <laughs> we're, um, you know, we're, you know, we you know, we we do rich media. So it's ads that are more uh, immersive. So, for example, gaming has become a huge um, industry now. With you know, eighty percent of Australians are online gaming. Gaming. So it's it's a huge growing audience. And so we build, we help with the publisher that we've got a partnership with a publisher called Game Life where we actually build like um, the brands into the games so they can actually like see an ad while they're playing a game. And they love that. That Well, the user doesn't mind that because that's just kind of part of their, you know, they're playing a the game and they're happy to see an ad. So It's almost yeah. It's it's yeah. There's lots of different ways you can for brands to reach these audiences. So um, we just try and make it easy for them to to do that. Yeah,
0: Mm. Uh, I've never yeah. Like pop ups as you mentioned. Like (laughs) you know if you go to like some quite big American news sites in particular. You know like your. you know, CNN-type things, you know, enormous places, and you are going to try and see a story, and there'll be, like, a pop-up and then a takeover, and then and it'll expand up over the side of it, and then, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's just so, it's so noisy, and then there's a subscription box pops up, and then, like, a thing to say, can I send you notifications? And you were like, I just wanted to read the story, and I've had to actually, like, physically fight my way through um, this horrid advertising environment. It's quite wild, you know. Does that does that work? Why Why do these businesses uh, do it?
1: I think there's a happy medium. You've got to you've got to make money so you can pay your your, your journalists, but then you don't need to bombard a user with ads because you'll see the. Users will just drop off. They'll, they'll go somewhere else if there's too many ads. Um, so there's a lot of publishers, even our publishers, are going for subscription models, and that's that's a, a great um, option if you can do that. If people are happy to pay for content, if the content's good enough, like a lot of financial or business sites um, charge for content and because um, people are getting sick of ads. But then I think there's a balance. You've got to make the ads um you know, relevant and not too obtrusive so that they're not popping up at you and annoying you and playing loud music while you're trying to watch um, something at work. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's, there's there's sort of, it's, 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 it's hard for publishers. because There's also like Pest Press Patron, which is another um, way that um, publishers sort of ask people, you know, would you be happy to donate to um, pay for, help us pay for our um, uh, a journal, a journalist so yeah there's um lots of different ways you can do it and that's where scroll can really help by um sort of advising on you know how many ads to have on a page and not to have too you know too many and th- and yeah things like that so that you can still have a site that you know your, your users will keep coming back to and your your site will grow and you'll make more money
0: yeah where do you see it going at the moment as um yeah, it's always been part of the mix of media, hasn't it been? And that there's been people, you know, who back when media was very strong, <laughs> like um, like um, people paid to subscribe, but also it was full of ads. And so now that it's gone online, um, and now there's these new models like um, the spin off members or um, press patron or paywalls um, mm. that are that are helping kind of like um, let people you know, do that kind of subscription thing. But ads ads are definitely still part of the mix, eh? Hey?
1: Definitely. I mean as I said, it's a billion dollar industry in New Zealand and it's 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 growing. It's you know, every year it grows more and more. So yeah, absolutely. It's it's you know, it's and it's commercialisation really. And it's 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 brands have got to be quite clever now to reach their audiences because they're less you know they're less on tv and they're less on on print so now you've got to try to reach an audience but do it in a in a in a nice way, and the more you can talk to your target audience in a in a friendly way that is going to be speaking on the on their level, the more um, you're going to build up a nice sort of a rapport. And there's a value exchange with that as well, so that um, you know users are you know happy to be spoken to by brands that are kind of speaking in an authentic you know way and, and giving them something. So yeah, there's a lot of um, research into sort of not trying to bombard users with sort of ads that are too salesy um, and just trying to kind of be um, helping them kind of giving the user something for for seeing that ad. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a, um, an ongoing process, and a lot of it is testing and learning and seeing what resonates and what doesn't. Yeah, with particular audiences. But that's the beauty of online is you can, you know, you can test and learn, and you can test different creatives, and you can change them on the fly, and you can see what works and what doesn't. And if we're not getting good responses from ads, then we can change the change them, in, you know, out pretty quickly. So yeah, it's quite fun. Yeah, it's fast paced, and every day is different.
0: <laughs> and where, how's the business going? What are your plans for it?
1: Um, yeah it's going well yeah it's um we're three so we've just had our third birthday um and we've got yeah this it's pretty exciting at the moment we're, we're growing our, um, our our staff numbers in, in Australia and um, we've got some good publishers on board in Australia and we've we need we need to um, probably improve our technology. So we're, spending, we're investing a lot in research and development and um, to make our technology better for publishers to quickly see the results that they're getting. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think I'm here to stay. I've got a lot of um, – I'm excited about the future and what it can bring, and I think that um, – you know, there's, uh, yeah, we're, we're we're in a good space really to kind of um, scale up a lot. You know, we're not really a start-up anymore, we're a scale-up. And, um, yeah, I can see it, it, it growing and it's just, you know, it's only going to get more and more interesting really. What
0: advice would you have for someone who was kind of, you know, getting their way into an industry and knew what they were up to and had an opportunity to do something like, you know start start their own thing uh, back home. Like, what would your advice be to someone who maybe is thinking of jumping out and knows that they could do, uh, do do what they're doing?
1: Yeah, you you've got to do your homework. You've got to like talk to lots of people, like friends and family, and just people in the in your you know your work, your workmates, your potential clients. Like, just talk the idea through, like to a lot of different people and then um, read a lot, like research and find out who your competitors would be and find out who, what the, how the size of the market, that's really important. And then, um, but then don't overthink it either, like just go for it, like jump in there and give it a crack because you just never know your luck. <laughs> and um, it's, you just sort of, you, you know, you've got to be in, you, you've got to try and, and, but be ready to kind of, you um, be ready for it not to go the way you think it's going to go and just make sure that you're agile and nimble and you can change what you think it's going to be because it will, yeah, and also being very, incredibly resilient. Like, it's it's not easy running a business. You've got to... Um, you know, you've just got to be quite resilient, really, and you've got to be able to handle things like COVID and, and um, just um, there's a lot of change. So, yeah, but you just, yeah, it's it's um, it's a hugely rewarding and satisfying and stimulating as well. So, yeah, but don't overthink it. I think if I knew what it was going to be like, I wouldn't probably have done it because it's for, like having children, really. <laughs> <laughs> so many people
0: say that, eh? It's so funny. And as a final thought, um, what, what would... Um, what would success be for you personally? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, 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 I know that feeling very much about business <laughs> and kids. <laughs> um, and um, what would that success, what will, as a final thought, what would success be for you personally and success be for Scroll Media?
1: Um, oh, I'd love to see Scroll Media um, growing and helping, you know, uh, publishers more. And I want it to be something that, you know, my kids can be proud of and um, – you know, we'd like to help young people get into jobs, so we want to start giving back and helping um, people that are getting into the industry, like giving them a bit of a leg up with, um, you know, internships and things like that, and yeah, I mean, I I just think the future is great, there's, as I said before, like the whole gaming space is really interesting, there's a lot happening with esports, and that's an area I'm kind of excited about, and um, There's uh, plenty of opportunities, so uh, you know I think that um, I love the whole networking side and the people that you meet in business. So um, I get a lot of I get a real buzz out of that. So um, yeah, I think um, I think we'll grow, and yeah, I wouldn't mind a bit more work life balance. It could be quite nice, but um, yeah, it's um, it's. You know, it, it changes really rapidly, so it's a really it's really important to um, stay up with the play. With lots of um, there's a lot of conferences and webinars and, and and things that keep you up for the play. But it's a really like I've been really lucky with this industry. And if anyone wanted to um, talk to me about getting into it, I'd be happy to chat because. Um, it's a really fun, innovative, and creative industry that uses both sides of your brain. Like it's, it's mathematical and commercial, but it's also creative. So it's a lot of fun, and a lot of I've made a lot of friends in the industry from people that I've worked with like 20 years ago, are still people I'm dealing with now. So it's something about digital. You kind of try to leave, but then you get back into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Well,
0: thank you for sharing the story today. That's Jane Ormsby, the founder at Scroll Media. thank you. Thank you, Dean for producing, and thank you very much for having us along. And here he is, and listening. Cheers. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound, and brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by Spark Lab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are
1: you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. slash getadvice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekevusaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited, and of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns.
0: The Spin Off Podcast Network.